0: i yeah. yeah. Hey, Mike, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, you've been a contributor in the magazine for some time now, and it's really great to have you on as uh, on the podcast to kind of share some of your experiences that you've seen out in the, uh, in the industry. And one of the uh, topics I know that we were, we want to talk about today and something that is, is vitally crucial in our industry right now is, is recruiting talent. And uh, I know you've been very active out there with that.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, it's summer, it's warm out, but it, it'll be winter before too long. Um, yeah, t- recruiting talent, you know, recruiting talent was was really, really hard for our industry and really the entire service industry before this whole coronavirus nightmare Um, But at our company, we were actually making some pretty good progress on on finding people and filling seats and and growing and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, here in Michigan, we were shut down for, you know, over a month right at our spring peak season. So a lot of those new hires, you know, we ended up losing either to, um, you know, they didn't want to wait a a month to start working. We couldn't give them a firm date on when they were going to start working. Um, also the, you know, the government made it lucrative for some of these folks just to stay at home for the time being. So the recruiting has been a challenge. I think everyone would agree and, um, what's going
0: on in the world right now has only made it harder for us. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's take a step back for a moment from your experience. Where should your average snow contractor be right now with regard to recruiting the talent they're going to need for the upcoming snow season?
1: Uh, they should be should be hot and heavy i mean if um, if anybody's not recruiting actively right now or even always recruiting, I guess would be the correct answer. I think it would be a huge mistake um, it's it 's just more challenging it's harder there's there's a lot of us fighting for the same really good people, so um, you know my
0: opinion is to always be recruiting mm-hmm. you know you brought up a really great point there that um, it 's a highly competitive market. Um, especially for talented individuals, um, and that um, if you are in a uh, aggressive maybe uh, metro market, you are finding that you're competing for a lot of the same talent. What do you see are some critical things a contractor needs to do in order to... Um, um, get, get noticed by the talent that's out there. Cause unfortunately right now it really is a worker's market and not necessarily an employer's market.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think, I think there's a couple things. I think first you have to have a company where people want to work. Um, I know that seems obvious, but um, it's, it's challenging. There are a lot of us competing. So we need to, again, we just need to provide a place where people actually want to work Um, rather that's, you know, that's different for everybody. But um, to me, that means means benefits, that means stability, good compensation, um, advancement opportunities, growth potential, training, and all that kind of stuff. Um, And with respect to training, you know, we've kind of changed course over the last year or two because of how challenging the labor market is. And instead of really focusing on you know with respect to snow with with um instead of focusing so much on people's experience and how many years do you have doing you know this this type of snow work or landscaping work and who have you worked for and what do you bring to the table um we're still we're still doing that, and we still love to find those people and and introduce them to our culture but we've taken it kind of a different direction and, and we've really ramped up our training and our development, which has allowed us to hire people that don't necessarily have traditional experience uh, plowing snow or clearing sidewalks uh, in the summertime, you know, doing landscape maintenance. And with a good comprehensive training program, uh, we're able to hire good people and then teach them the skill and it's it's not perfect it's not something we've we've completely mastered by any means but it has helped with the challenging labor market being able to look past i guess the the experience on a resume really look at the person and see are they are they coachable are they trainable are they a good person are they going to be reliable and then if if we make the guess that they are you know, we put them in, we bring them in and we spend extra time and money and we invest and we we just train them. And we've we've come to terms with the fact that we can't find all the experienced people that we need to grow our company. So we're just we're going about it differently and we're finding good people. And then we're just we're teaching them the experience that they need. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, a really, another. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say the other the other side of that is, you know, I said you have to have a good place to work. Um because it's so competitive, you also have to, well, you don't have to, but my, my idea is to train people. But the, um, I guess the third one would be not, not just a place they want to work, but actually a job that they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 10, 10, 15 years ago to shovel sidewalks, for instance, was no big deal. That was, that was fine. I mean, it was hard work, but people, people would do it. The way the world has changed and modernized and, and the culture has kind of wrapped around technology, um, you know, with respect to the snow industry, it's, I think it's getting people on some of this high-tech equipment, these, these sidewalk machines and making it less labor-intensive, uh, making
0: these jobs, you know, a little more appealing to people. Mm-hmm. Those are, are, are three great points. And, and one of the things I want to ask you that kind of fits into all those points and, uh, you know, one of the things that, um, this pandemic has done it is, I believe it has, it has uh brought people who into the workplace from other service industries who have lost their jobs uh, because they, you know, their companies have gone out of business because they were out to you know, they were, you know, idle too long. Um they were not they maybe they didn't hire back at the same level as they did um as they let go because maybe their uh their business has slowed. Um, so there's a lot of maybe non-traditional workers that weren't available to you in the past. So what sort of traits and things are you looking for um to when you're bringing people in? Um and, you know to because you made a a point about how you know the key is that you know you bring in a good person and then you train them up. But what are those key traits that you're looking for that kind of indicate to you yeah I think this is somebody we can work with we can make something out of
1: yeah it's it's really trying to dig into the person um, the things that that I'm looking for the most are you know is this person trainable are they coachable are they gonna are they gonna be a sponge to what we're trying to teach them that's that's huge uh, trying to determine if they're gonna be reliable you know do they have maybe not in the landscape industry and not in the snow industry but do they have a solid work history where, you know, they're going to be, a, be at work every day, you know, doing snow removal and ice management. We, we want to minimize how many people are on the team that we have to have to question if they're going to show up to work, obviously. So we want, we want coachable, we want trainable, we want reliable. Um, you know, it's hard work, even with the modern equipment doing sidewalks and plowing and all this, it's still hard work. It's it's in crummy conditions sometimes. It's long hours. It's it's on call. It's challenging. So just being upfront with candidates and then really trying to trying to share with them the downside of what we do, the challenges with what we do, and making sure it's still something that they want to they want to sign on with. Um, and then and then finally it's just it's fit, it's culture fit you know i I believe that every single person that comes into the company you know every single one changes our culture just a little bit um, and similarly everybody who leaves you know whether we get rid of them or they get rid of us that changes our culture too so um, really trying to make our best guess from talking to them if if they're gonna be a good fit are they gonna get along with everybody are they gonna make it you know a better culture or a worse culture and just trying to be you know, very cautious about who we welcome into the team, you know, while at the same time acknowledging
0: that that it's hard to find people. You know what? Uh, that has to be an extreme challenge for you. Do you find that uh, compared to maybe previous years that this hiring process is more time intensive for someone like yourself who, who does do a bulk of the hiring? Um, you know, uh, is it challenging you to um uh, to maybe gather new skills to help vet these these individuals.
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. And, and we're getting more people involved. Where where a manager or myself maybe used to talk to somebody and and you know go through the resume, maybe check a couple references, and then make a gut decision. We're getting a lot more people involved. Um, you know, I'll talk to somebody. We'll have a branch manager talk to someone. Someone from human resources will spend an hour on the phone with them. Uh, We do check, check references um, for certain positions, sales, management, stuff like that, administration. We even do personality tests just to, just to see how they're going to, how they're going to mesh with the existing team. So yeah, it is, it is more time consuming. It is more thorough um but you know if if we can keep the discipline of doing that and not not get lazy and rush through it we do we do end up with some good people that we can train to be top performers down the road and we're we're learning as we go you know this
0: isn't how we used to used to do it it used to be a little bit easier um, <laughs> yeah you just kind of in the past it was just like a cattle call you know we need 20 people for this winter and and you and you took the probably the top 20 uh applications that came in right
1: yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it was. And and maybe, you know, in hindsight, it never should have been that way. You know, maybe we should have, we should have done a better job as, as an industry hiring and training, or at least as our company hiring and training, because, um, you know, even if people become more plentiful, and I, and I don't know in the service industries, if that's ever going to happen. But, you know, I think the way we're doing it is the right way to do it. I think it's, it's, you know, I want the good people. I want people that I want that I can be around all day. I want people that make us a better team. And if, if we got to spend a few weeks and, and some money training them and developing them and, and production's a little bit slower at first because of it, I think, I think it's better than the other way around than having, having really experienced people. But, you know, what experience is a good experience? Is it bad experience? You know, who did they learn under? Who did they train under? Um, so I don't know I like this it's it's different, and we're learning as we go and it's fun and but I think we are getting better people. I think it's working
0: I think what is really interesting is that you 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 mentioned that you've gotten more people inside the company involved in the hiring process um, you know what and that has added i'm sure more voices and more opinions into you know what an ideal candidate is like can you share a little bit about some of the things that you've learned along the way some of the important lessons you learned along the way that you might not have been able to take advantage of if it was just you and one or two other individuals making these decisions you know what what have you been able to learn by getting the input from other people within the company other people who you know represent that culture that you say is you know you you mentioned was very important that you're trying to grow and maintain
1: yeah, everyone has a different perspective. So the more people that are involved, um, you know, you get you get their you get their experience, their history, their skills, their education, all that kind of stuff. And we're all a little bit different. Um, what's what's kind of interesting, and I'm sure this is in all all workplaces, but we have some people on our management team that uh, are very I don't know what you would call it uh, cautious. You know, when they when they meet an individual who wants to come on our team or is considering coming on our team. um, They're looking for, they're looking for red flags. You know, this, this guy's full of crap or he, he talks like he knows what he's doing, but you know, they're just very cautious, you know, not, not in a malicious way and not, not like a poor attitude or anything like that. They're just, they're, they're just wired to, to look for problems. And in this context, it's, it's kind of a good thing. And then we have we have other folks, you know, like myself and some others that can, um, I guess, see past some of that sometimes to a fault. And you know, I'm 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 listening for keywords that make this this guy a a great find. So having all these different perspectives, you know, we've we've got a we've got a good HR director now who um, has experience in human resources and in the industry. So um, she's she's brought quite a bit to the table. It's just, it's all perspective. It's just getting more people involved. You just get you get to benefit from the different ways that they they think. their are different educational backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, all that kind of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you had mentioned some that you are 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 trying to listen for some key words um, that will indicate whether an individual is a great find or not. Can you share some of those key words or key phrases that you're you're keeping an ear out for? that can help tell somebody in a position like yourself that, okay, this person might not have all the experience coming into this, but the, this is what they're telling me that I think that they're moldable.
1: Yeah. The people that seem to, um, they they prove to be a good hire down the road are folks that will say things, um, about advancement opportunity or, or, and when they talk about what they might not like at the job they're at or their more their most recent job you know they'll say things like you know I like the people it was a great company we had fun we made money but you know there was nowhere for me to go you know so that's 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 a keyword for me when i hear someone talk about there's nowhere for me to go or there's no advancement or i felt like i was hitting the ceiling um because those are the kind of folks that tend to do really good in our organization because we are growing quickly and that, that growth gives us the opportunity to promote people and to make advancement a real possibility. So I'm always looking for people that are, that are frustrated because they haven't been able to advance, um, either because the, the, the companies they've been with aren't growing or, or maybe it's just because they haven't received the training and development and they're kind of just stuck where they are. Um, so I I love to hop on those people and and you know try to sell them on what we have to offer.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know
1: what that is. Know, any, any, go ahead. Just any any signs of being really reliable, you know, meshing with our core values, that type of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. You know that 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 um, the importance of a pathway and, and and that being one of your key words, I think, it is really critical. Um, how do you guys go about? Um, Showing that there's a pathway there, uh, that there's a pathway within the company that somebody can involve in. Do you have it? You know, for example, is it charted out to show like this is the ladder and this is how you know you can you can climb that ladder? Uh, do you expose them to perhaps workers um, within the company who have? risen through the ranks uh, because it's as much of a, a sell job. you you know, you, you kind of mentioned this before you're selling them on the company as much as they are selling themselves to you as a potential worker.
1: Yeah, I would, I would be nervous of a candidate that you don't have to sell a little bit. I you know yeah. if, if, if they're ready to come on board, no matter what you say, I would, I would be a little cautious, um, and we are, it's a, you know, recruiting is, is a sales function much more than a management function.
0: Um, I don't What was, what was the oh, question, Mike? Just curious about how you show them and sell them on the pathway idea that there's, you're not, you know, if they're frustrated in their current position that they've hit a dead end or they don't feel like they're going anywhere, how do you show them during this recruitment stage that, um, yeah, here's here's how you can advance here. Uh, is it is it something that's charted out that you can show them on a, a PowerPoint or a um, a poster or whatnot? Or do you expose them to individuals who came in at the r- bottom rung and have made their way up to a management or supervisory position? Or is it a combination of all that stuff?
1: It's a it's a combination. You know, HR, when they make the initial contact, they've they've got some of that documentation and mapping and that type of thing when I talk to folks and when I coach our managers on talking to people, I like to, I like to use scenarios and examples. So if somebody's coming on board to be a, you know, in the, in the, in the context of snow and ice management, if they're coming on board to maybe be a, um, to work on a sidewalk crew, you know, I make sure I sell them on on the nice equipment we have and we try to minimize it being labor intensive and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. But as far as a career path, I, I tell them, you know, Hey, this is, this is kind of entry level when it comes to snow and ice management, but this is a super important position. You know, this is this is a significant position. It's not a it's not a BS job because most of the slip and falls and the liability and the complaints from customers and that type of thing that we get in our industry are based on sidewalk service. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll I'll explain to them that this this is a big deal because what what you're gonna be doing a lot of times is more impactful than the folks you'll see buzzing around in the, the plow and salt trucks or the big loaders. And then, you know, you just, you paint a career path and you just say, you know, what I've seen a lot of people do in, in positions like this is they'll, they'll do a season on a crew. And then the next season, they're a crew leader and they've got a crew of their own, you know, and then they're, they're, the the sky's kind of the limit and it's, what do you want to do? And, you know, maybe it's in the wintertime, it's a, it's a plow truck or a salt truck or, I've seen people start from uh, a sidewalk crew and they end up being an area manager, an operations manager, something like that. And because our, our, our company is not big by any means, but it's, it's decent size for our industry. We have, we have different career paths. So if, if you get going and you don't, you know, you don't want to work with your hands and your back forever, you know, we've got a sales team and we could train you on that. We've got an accounting team. We could train you on that. So we kind of paint, we kind of paint a picture that is, Um, I don't know, kind of, kind of a spider web. It's where do you want to go? What do you want to do?
0: And using that analogy, I hope they stick, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know what? Um, It is very interesting. I've I've noticed, and I don't know if you have noticed this within, uh, within the company as well, but um, it seems that um, as hiring managers and, and supervisors have kind of reevaluated their hiring practices that they're going now for more uh, full-time, full-year type of hires, looking for people who can not only do snow but do the off-season or green season stuff as well, uh, rather than in the past, they were just hiring you know, these guys for this season, these guys for that season. It seems like um, companies are going all in on these hires now.
1: Yeah, we we give absolute preference to – individuals that want to work year-round that want to a year-round job a career the whole nine yards um there's there's always spots for people that are looking for something to do in the winter and that's fine but that's not what we are uh, proactively looking for anymore you know there were years in the past where we'd have we'd have advertisements out there because we needed you know 20 loader operators when snow was only 60 days away and it's, it's scary and it's hard to sleep and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes you can't even find them all. And you end up with, with big expensive equipment sitting sometimes. Um, so, you know, with that said, I, I agree. I think the best way to do it is to find year-round employees that can be part of your snow program. And, and whatever you do in the summertime, whether it's, it's landscaping or some other service, they can, they can be part of that because it's going to be easier as a company you know, to not have to constantly be filling seats every, you know, two seasons, and it's also going to be a recruiting tool because the better people, I mean, let's just face it, the the better people out there are probably going to be the the career-minded people that don't want to deal with, you know, unemployment once a year and they don't want to job hop and mm-hmm. wonder what they're going to do for income. So, um, it's it's a win-win for the for the job seeker and the and the employer absolutely year-round.
0: Hmm. You know what, and this is often a, an uncomfortable topic, but I wanted to ask you, you know, when, when you really start to hone in on a solid hiring practice and you start to get some wins with, you know, you're bringing in some really talented people, people who are, you know, going the distance, you've made some smart hires, does it sort of force you to then look at and reevaluate past hires and existing employees, and you start to have those tough conversations about, you know, we got a lot of talented folk who are looking to climb the ladder and are looking to be, you know, they're being aggressive. And we got some people on here, uh, you know, they seem solid in the past, but now all of a sudden you're starting to reevaluate what talent really is and what ta- how talent plays into your future plans and roles. Um, tell me a little about if you've had to experience that yeah we
1: do you know more more now than ever before we've got people that have been with the company for years and years and most of them are are absolutely wonderful but there are you know and i'm sure you'd find this at any company or at least i'm guessing you would there's folks that have been around for a while and you know quite frankly they they kind of get passed by when new people come in because because we're better at we're better at recruiting we're better at um I guess finding the exact type of person that we want—not uh, not perfect by any means—but we're better. So there are some there are some of those people out there that you know if if they were applying today, maybe they wouldn't maybe they wouldn't get the offer. Um, you know, and, and we're get we're getting better. And and with our training program, in all fairness, some of these people up until the last couple of years, you know, we haven't done a great job training all the time. Uh, we did a lot of a lot of in the field training a lot of you know hey you start tomorrow and you know go with joe he'll train you
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and that's fine that's you know our industry is kind of famous for that and it's i used to think it was the nature of the beast how else would you possibly do it but you know now that we actually have a training program and we we're we're dedicating you know downtime to training we're not trying to train on our customer sites all the time mm-hmm. while while the clock is ticking hmm Um so, some of those some of those people that have been around a while that maybe are stuck and you know kind of frustrating to work with, some of them are getting better. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the ones that the ones that don't, you know, they're kind of they're kind of stuck where they are or they're gonna they're gonna end up somewhere else eventually.
0: Yeah. So often in the past wasn't training just you got paired up with the guy who'd been there the longest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you're you know your whether or... they teach or not. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the first day you're expected to go out and do billable production, and then the, the boss wants to know why it's taking so long. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, I wanted to also ask you about um, one of the things, unfortunately, and, and maybe this is maybe an old school thought may, rather than maybe new school, but one of the, the hesitations about, and you you talked about the importance of training and how individuals are coming in wanting to be you know wanting training they want to improve themselves they want to learn skills, but you talk to some guys who while they see training as necessary to do the job at hand, giving employees and new new workers extensive training, uh, even managerial training. I think the fear there is that here I am going to. Pour a bunch of resources and time and money into bringing somebody up, who's then going to leave me and start their own shop. And now they're gonna. I'm 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 training my competitor. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Is that valid anymore? Is that just um, you, you? You can't be scared of your shadow, so to speak. Yeah, I guess I guess
1: anything's possible. It it doesn't scare me at all. I don't I don't really think about it. Um, You know, the the couple times that that might happen going to be I, I think I think the exception and not the rule mm-hmm. and to, and to be honest I mean it, we would hate to see anybody that that's good and a good fit for the team we'd hate to see them leave but you know once once um, I guess once the shock and the sting wears off I mean the reality is if, if if we played a part in making somebody you know better faster stronger to where they were able to do their own things successfully I mean that's a win. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they, maybe they could be a subcontractor for us or a, a friendly competitor in the market. I mean, who cares? Um, you know, the other thing with, with training is it's not just to do the job and it's not just to hire people that maybe aren't quite as experienced. The other thing is people that come and work for us, they like the training. You know, they, they corner us afterwards or a couple of days later and, you know, thank you for investing in them. And mm-hmm. years ago, I never would have guessed, I never would have guessed that would be the case. I would have, I would have thought it would have been a burden, and people would do it just because they had to. But even our experienced people, they really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the training training makes makes people better. It makes us all better. Um, and and when people get really really good at their jobs, you know, I say this all the time: when people get really really good at their jobs, they like their job. And and when they like their job, you know, your chances of losing those folks
0: are are not nearly as high. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, let me ask you a little bit about. You, know, you guys compete in some very competitive markets. Do you still see the level of inter-industry poaching among companies that maybe had, you know, was prevalent more in the past? Is that, is that still a, um, a cause of stress when you're, you're dealing in a competitive market or when limited resources or, or is there, you've seen that maybe go by the wayside?
1: Uh, we see, we see a little bit of it and there's probably more of it going on than, than we realize. But, um, you know, I just, I, I, I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm not going to worry about it. Um, mm-hmm. again, my, my focus is not to, not to fight with the competitors about, about, you know, their questionably uh, unethical business practices. I, I, I look in the mirror and if, if we can make a good enough place to work and give somebody a job that they actually want to do, they're probably not going to leave just because somebody calls them or someone stops them at the gas station. And if, if they do, you know, there's, there's a problem there. We either didn't do our job or maybe that that guy wasn't a good fit for us.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, are you in, in, in that, in that same vein, are you guys seeing that um, culture and, and investment with regard to training and, and, and becoming, you know, member of the team um, that, that is wing heavier with employees than maybe getting an extra 50 cents or a dollar an hour.
1: Yeah. With, without question, without question, people want to be part of something they want to, you know, once they feel like they're part of the team and that, and that's what all this training is about and the culture and hiring the right people, you get this team that we all like to be part of. We don't want to leave the team. I mean, uh, uh, not, not saying it never happens, but people don't people don't leave for, you know, for money very often. It's, mm-hmm. it's, if they're somewhere where they feel like they belong and they, they feel substantial and they feel significant and they feel like what they do matters. And that's not like a, like a feel good fuzzy thing. It's just, that's just how we are as people. If if we go to work every day and we're making a difference and, and we see the company getting better because of us and we mesh well, most days with, with our coworkers I mean, changing jobs sucks. I mean, why would why would someone want to go and be the new guy somewhere for for a buck an hour when they're when they're part of something that's that's really moving forward?
0: Yeah, very well said. Hey, I want to wrap up our conversation on on a little a little forward um, thinking thoughts here. You know the um, the COVID pandemic it has kind of persisted longer than initial thoughts. Um, there are some you know, experts that are, are predicting or at least warning that we could see a resurgence or a second wave sometime in the late fall or winter. Um, and I was wondering if these predictions have caused you to develop a strategy for um for different scenarios with regard to having enough people to execute uh, snow and ice management services because you know, we've seen from this past second half of this past winter, you know, snow and ice is deemed as an essential um, service. So that's something that is going to, you know, if we were had to be shut down again or partial shutdown, you, you guys would still need work and still would need to feel the team out there. So, how have you approached this have you have you done or are you engaged in pandemic hiring you know where you maybe have uh a second team in the wings and and how are you going about that? How are you strategizing for um what may or may not be inevitable
1: yeah not not so much a second team or a backup team or anything like that although although that would be nice if if we could pull that off what what we're doing more i guess is just not trying you know we're we're not over overselling you know certain areas so mm-hmm. we're, we're making sure that we don't build our routes and our our snow program to where we need perfect conditions to be able to get through it um, so we're probably we're probably scheduling and, and routing a little bit lighter than we have in the past just to to help with that but as far as preparing for a second wave or for this impacting our business, it, it probably will continue to impact our business for some time, especially in in Michigan. And you know, when when this first started and when the when the green side of our industry was was shut down in Michigan, you know, we we used that time to be um, proactive. We we came up with a you know a, an operating manual for COVID safety and. We built wash stations and we equipped trucks with all sorts of safety stuff and we sourced masks and hand sanitizer and pre-screening when people get to work, which we're, we're still doing to this day, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. We're, we're making sure that we have a safe place to work so that people aren't afraid to come um, and so our people don't get sick. And then also, you know, we're using that and being vocal about it in the industry and then also just in the public and, and in our political circles and that kind of stuff to try to avoid any kind of shutdown because whether it's it's summer services or winter services, call call them essential or not. It really it doesn't matter to me. But the point is we can do them safer than just about any any other industry that's deemed essential just because of the nature of our business. Mm-hmm. And we've we've gone great lengths to make sure we have all that all that safety stuff in place. So that's kind of our plan to to combat whatever comes. It's crazy, crazy times.
0: Mm -hmm. Has it also influenced your training strategy in the sense that um, you need more people with a working knowledge of doing maybe multiple jobs uh, rather than in the past when you were just training them like, okay, your job is to do A and B, your job is to do C and D? Now you need everybody to kind of have a uh, a working knowledge because you never know when somebody may need to sub in for somebody or you're shorthanded and they're going to be called in to do or going to be expected to do outside their their you know their normal job
1: yeah we we do a lot of cross-training and, and we could probably do a better job of it but we are we are doing more than in the past and then also job rotation you know this this fits in with our sa- our safety program as a whole um, you know, years ago it was, it was in the summertime, you know, I'm, I'm trimming shrubs all day and you're cleaning up the mess cause you're the new guy <laughs> or you know, in the winter time you're, you're shoveling snow and doing all the heavy lifting because you're the new guy. Mm-hmm. We, we we're we're really trying to get job rotation going and that lends itself to cross training. But, you know, in the summertime, you know, I'm, I'm shrub trimming for a couple hours and then you are so that we both know how and and it's safer it's it's been proven safer Mm -hmm. and in the winter time the same thing instead of instead of the new guy you know killing himself with the heavy lifting all night or all day you know we're doing job rotation where you know you're going to do this for a couple hours and then you know start applying applying chemical a little bit less labor intensive so the job rotation and the cross training they kind of work together